The struggle's real. You know what I'm talking about. I want to say thank you to our, our homegrown group. If you're not involved in a homegrown group, you're missing out. Uh, our homegrown group has just done some amazing things. As we were sitting in the uh, waiting room of the surgical area a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago now almost, and, and I had carried to the hospital this backpack, this Star Wars backpack, Everybody's laughing at me, but I, it's filled with the most incredible snacks and stuff, right? And, and our homegrown group packed this backpack full of stuff. In fact, we were sitting there and, and just going through some of it, and a guy sitting across the, the way, he, he looked at us and he said, I'm just wondering when the snack box is going to be opened. <laughs> Are you guys going to share that stuff? And it was a, it was a privilege uh, just to be a part of a group that, that had some forward thinking. They brought us notes, words of encouragement, uh, scriptural promises, food, gift cards. And, and I thought to myself, someone has been here before and knows exactly what's needed besides prayer. The number one thing we all need when we're going through difficult times is someone praying for us. But sometimes... We also need what we call around here someone being Jesus with skin on. Someone you can feel and touch. Someone who brings the practical side of things to the, the needs of life. One of those encouraging notes in, in this beautiful box that our homegrown group gave us, it said this, Christy, you've got what it takes. but it will take everything you've got. When I read that to her, tears began to flow down her face. And she said, that's exactly right. Because it is. It's taking everything I've got. Brene Brown says, we've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. But the truth is, we're both. I mean, we, we all have the ability to help. We also all have the times when we need help. And God has brought us together as the family of God, hallelujah, to lift one another up when we can't do it on our own. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what some of your struggle going through at times is for. I'm just getting a little ring up here. If you could just back it down just a bit. The things we deal with, God ministers to us. And then he gives us the ability to minister to somebody else who's going through something similar, something nearby what we've gone through. The struggle is real, but the struggle is not just for you. The struggle is so you have the ability to minister to somebody else on a greater level. 
And God wants to use you. He wants to use the struggles you've been through. He wants to use the things that have come against you so that you have the ability and the strength to reach out to someone else when they're going through some stuff. For us, this has been about a four-month process so far. It all began with an earache. They tell us that's a miracle because most cancer doesn't begin with pain. And so the earache uh, was very painful. It wouldn't go away. A couple weeks later, there were a few spots on her tongue with more intense pain. Visit after visit to the doctor, five different antibiotics, expecting something to change, something to happen, and finally the doctor sent us to a specialist. Biopsies, radiology, surgeons, therapists, and then three weeks ago the surgery uh, to cut out the, the cancer of the tongue. Uh, they've removed a little less than half of her tongue and replaced it with a section of her arm. She doesn't have her foot in her mouth, she has her arm in her mouth. <laughs> Our kids were hoping they would take it from her rear end so they could have something to talk about, but <laughs> Doc said that wasn't possible. It wasn't what they needed. I love you, baby. You said be real today. I'm going for it. And here we are now on the road to recovery. And it is a road. It's a journey. It's a step-by-step -step process, little by little. And God is with us. And you are with us. Tomorrow is our 35th anniversary. Yeah. So Christy and I have been married for 35 years tomorrow. And yes, the struggle is real. And our struggle right now is this. This moment, this time, this slice of life. And the reality is some of you have been through way worse than this. I mean, if, if you want to compare, and you don't, because comparison is ridiculous. But if you were to look at, at life and everybody's life and stack them up against each other, all of us have struggles. All of us have been through things that are very difficult. There are seasons in life that we face, and, and uh, you wonder... Am I ever going to see the other side of this? Some of you are going through something right now that seems very unfair. It's impossible. It seems ridiculously overwhelming. And, and you realize in, in moments where there's life crisis that everything else takes a back seat. Some things just don't matter anymore. And you look at life through a whole different lens, and you begin to focus. But can I encourage you that in the midst of your struggle, don't put your spiritual life on hold. 
you must still begin to grow. You must continue to nourish your spirit man, your spirit woman. Because for that to die would be devastating in your life. You can lose everything else and be okay. Jesus said you can gain the whole world, but if you lose your soul, what good is it? The singer-songwriter Laura Story, whose husband had a brain tumor, she says, we're all just one phone call away from learning the results of a test or the news of an affair or the death of a loved one, the loss of a job or a thousand other ways our hope can be shattered. And in that moment, we think life as we know it is over. The truth is, life as we've yet to know it has just begun. And sometimes the Lord doesn't take it away and the Lord doesn't fix it. And the book she wrote is entitled, When God Doesn't Fix It. And I've noticed through this, this short journey that we've been on that even though God may not fix it, even though he may not take it away, he always gives you grace every day. Just like the Apostle Paul said, I prayed and God didn't take it away, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need as you walk through this journey. And I guess at times we could, and we do, and we're human, we're all human. I guess you're human, right? Everybody human here? Got any aliens here? We're all human, right? And there are times when in, in our humanness we ask questions and we wonder and we get a little frustrated. I know you don't, but I have that tendency at times. And we wonder what's going on and why God doesn't step in and do what his word says he can do. And yet we've come to the point where our question is, okay, God, how are you going to get the greatest glory from this? Because apparently you see something we can't see. And if you're here this morning and you're questioning my faith, please don't go there. Okay? I've prayed for people who've been healed. I have faith that moves mountains. But God said, not this time. I'm going to walk with you through this. And God can use our story as we trust him with the journey. You remember the demon-possessed man, Legion, and he just was a mess. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible says as Jesus was getting into the boat, Jesus cast the demons out. The man got back into his right mind, and all of a sudden his life was turned right side up. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. The man said, Jesus, I just want to go with you because it's better with you. He said, no, 
Go home to your family. Go home. It's a Greek word, oikos. Go to your own people and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. This Greek word oikos, someone has said it, it, it basically means the 8 to 15 people the Lord has supernaturally placed on the front burner of your life. There are 8 to 15 people in your sphere of influence that God has strategically placed in your life. That's your oikos. That's who you're called to. Go home. Go to your people and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. We begin to notice that there are people that have risen to a place in our life that have never been there before. There are new oikos. And you'll find yourself in situations all throughout your life where God places people right in front of you and says, just minister to them. Just talk to them. Just tell them everything I'm doing in your life. They say that 95% of people who know God are because of being in an oikos relationship with a believer. If you'll look at your life, you'll realize that you were in somebody's oikos. You're here, you know Jesus today because somebody in your oikos reached out and began to share the good news of what Jesus had done for them. Nudge your neighbor and say, touch your oikos. And it's not yogurt. So go and do likewise. Tell your story. You might say, I'm not strong enough. Perfect. When you're strong, nobody cares. When you're weak, you're the perfect candidate for God to use. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Like Tori so eloquently shared last week, and if you didn't watch the message, please watch that when you get home today. She said, when I am weak, then I am strong. What a powerful moment. What a revelation. When I am weak, I am strong. Hallelujah. He's strong in our weakness. So share from your weakness, not your strength. It's way more powerful. It reaches deeper. It opens doors that nothing else can open. I, I used to think life was kind of mountains and valleys, right? Good times, bad times, great things going on, rotten things. But I'm kind of convinced now that it's, it's kind of more like railroad tracks. You got good stuff going on and you got bad stuff going on all at the same time. You ever been there? Where, where you think everything should be perfect, but it's not. But this is great, but this is awful. You know what I'm talking about? Um, like I said, this is our 35th anniversary. It's a big year for us. Um, we've had extreme joy and extreme sadness and sorrow that have run concurrent in our life. It's happened many times in our life, but right now it seems to be focused. And 
uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. We transformed our backyard and put in a pool. I know, right? We had a pool when we lived in Iowa. We were youth pastors there. Put in a pool there uh, when our kids got to a certain age. It just, it just was a, a great, great thing for our family. And then when we left and had to sell that house and that pool, we felt like God spoke to us and says, someday I will bless you again and uh, with greater things. And, and so th we, we had been planning this for quite some time and, and began to, to see the fruition of it coming. And we said, well, this will be our 35th anniversary blessing. And so we've been planning. And, you know, most people, they, we, we thought about buying a new van. Have you seen the new uh, Sedona? Okay. Um, Landon and Allie have one. They needed that. Um, but, yeah, we were, we were going to buy a new van, and then we said, let's stick with one car and buy a new backyard. And so in the midst of all of that coming to, to pass, this whole cancer thing popped up. And so you've got some great joy and some great sorrow running concurrent in, in our life. And that's how life is sometimes. And uh, in John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this. He, he, he was telling his disciples about the, the end times and things that were to come. And a lot of it was negative stuff. How many of you know Jesus even talked about negative stuff sometimes? He probably would have yelled at the people in the foyer, okay, just so you know, because he loves them. He wants them to get the best out of everything. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, that's not the Apostle Paul talking. That's not Peter talking. That's not John talking. That's Jesus, the positive guy. He said, you will have many trials and sorrows in this life. But take heart because I have overcome the world. He said, you're in a world that's messed up. You're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some difficulty. There's some things you're going to have to go through. But I told you this so you can have peace in the midst of that junk. I told you this ahead of time so you'll know God's got this. He's still in control. He still sits on the throne. Not one of these things has caught him off guard. Not one. He's an awesome God. And he's working all things together for our good. It's his promise. Laura's story says, I'm, am I going to let my circumstances determine my view of God? Or am I going to let God determine how I view my circumstances? I've noticed we've decided in our house we're going to let God determine how we view our circumstances. In our Life Journal reading, and I hope you're reading with us, 
If you haven't gotten a life journal yet, they're out here on the information booth. Pick one up, five bucks, get a little card that tells you what we're reading through the Bible. And in one of the verses this last, I think it was this last week, um, the Apostle Paul, who prayed for dead people who came to life, okay? The Apostle Paul, man of God, extraordinaire. They say he was a little guy, bald, bow-legged, ugly. That's what the historians say about Paul. He wasn't much to look at. But that guy who saw miracle after miracle after miracle, he writes in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, Erastus stayed at Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Huh? Really, Paul? You left Trophimus sick at Miletus, and you just left? Does that bother anybody else? Or is that good news? That sometimes life just happens and God doesn't fix it. Paul, where's your faith? Really? You're going to ask Paul about faith? Sometimes God doesn't step in. Sometimes God doesn't heal immediately like we think he should. Difficulties in life are inevitable. They're a simple part of the journey of life. Not everything always works out the way you think it should. Amen. Many people experience tragedy and they just throw in the towel and go into an emotional tailspin. <laughs> Where's God? I don't know. I yeah. You know what I've noticed through this journey with, with me? I'm a pretty selfish guy. And I don't like that at all. There are moments when I'm, when I'm continuously caring for my wife. And there's a thought in the back of my head that says, what about you? When are you going to get back to life? When are you going to be able to do what you want to do? Again, I know none of you are like that. You're all self-sacrificing self for... But we're human. And yet, sometimes we would just want to throw in the towel. But we've got to have our focus right. My grandpa Hollis, who, again, was a man of great faith, prayed for many people who were sick. He, they were healed. Three people who were dead raised back to life through his prayers. And yet I watched him at my grandmother's funeral, his wife, as he stood at the casket, put his Bible down, placed both hands on her head and began to pray. I mean, we've already had the funeral. Okay? She's laying in the casket, dead, and Grandpa grabs her head and starts praying. I'm thinking, okay. I'm just a kid, right? I'm a teenager. I'm thinking, Grandma's coming back. What are we going to tell all these people? We just had her funeral. <laughs> and nothing happened. And I watched him calmly pick up his Bible, put it under his arm, 
and move on. And it didn't shake his faith at all. He knew it was her time to go. He'd pray for dead people before that had come back to life. He had the faith. He knew what he was doing. He had a relationship with God. I think of my brother-in-law, Tim Enlow, who's married to my sister, Rochelle, who has MS today has had for over 16 years. And yet, he prays for many people with MS who are healed. So, should he just quit praying for everybody else? Because it's not happening in his house. Absolutely not. I pray for people who have been healed immediately, some who have been healed over time. And I've watched God do amazing miracles. And it didn't matter how I cursed this cancer, how I prayed, how I went after it, how I contended for a miracle, it didn't change. Sometimes, Things are very disappointing and don't happen the way you think they should. Bill Johnson, who's prayed for many people who have been raised up, and God has spoken to him about a cancer-free zone in Redding, California at Bethel Church. His dad dies of pancreatic cancer. And yet everyone else is being healed of cancer. Not everyone, but a great percentage of people are being healed. And here, he says this, you can't threaten me with death or heaven. It's a win-win. It's impossible for me to lose. Every loss we've experienced is temporary, and every victory we've ever had is permanent. That's the way his kingdom works. He says, my dad was my number one encouragement in life. I thought we needed him for years more for the wisdom and experience he had. I could give you a thousand reasons why he should have remained here. We had no difficulty contending for that miracle, but my dad died of pancreatic cancer. He says, I had talked to Rick Joyner the day before my father's passing, and he encouraged me on the phone saying this, this loss will set you up in a place, and it will be up to you, a place where you'll need to demand divine justice. Divine justice is seven times greater return for what was stolen. A thief would have to pay back seven times what they had stolen. He says, we need a season of mourning and grief. That's legitimate. Stay close to the Lord and near believers that we trust. It's a vulnerable time and you don't have to hang around with everyone and get weird counsel. There has to be a point though, where we begin to pursue divine justice. That is, God, I have suffered loss, and I'm asking now for seven times greater anointing upon my life so that others will not have to go through the pain I just went through. Contend for divine justice. And I got to tell you, there's something rising up in Christian myself that says, devil, 
you messed with the wrong people because you're going to get divine justice. There's going to be something greater come out of this. There are going to be more people saved, more people healed, more people brought back into the kingdom of God, more people set free by the power of Jesus Christ. I demand divine justice in Jesus' name. The devil's going to pay. He's going to pay big time. The struggle is real, but the kingdom is more real. Adversity is unavoidable. So you might as well grow through your circumstances. Tell your neighbor, grow through your circumstances. Grow through your circumstances. How you respond will make all the difference in the world. James chapter 1 verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know, somebody say you know. I know that when my faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Come on, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Trials and troubles are not a curse, they're an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Sometimes we complain about everything, don't we? It's raining, it's hot, cold, snowing. Oh, there's too many clouds today. Ah. Really? It's all necessary for growth. Every season's necessary for growth. Everything you go through is necessary for growth. It's an opportunity. So you might as well get happy about it. Consider it all joy when you face great trials and tribulations. It's interesting to me. I, I, uh, I'm new at this whole nursing thing. <laughs> Praise God for our, our home nurse, Debbie Allen. And you know what's, and, and Dr. Joe, he, my goodness, he has been with us through this whole thing and given us great uh, counsel. But you know what's interesting to me? When I'm looking at the wounds, I'm going, man, that's nasty. That, that is awful. And you know what the nurses and doctors say? That looks great. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Are you kidding me? That looks great? That does not look great. But apparently, they've seen the progression of this before. They've seen something I've not seen before. They see with eyes I don't have because they've been here, done that, and they're going, wow, that really is good. That's going to be a little while, but it's looking great. And I'm thinking, yikes. Are you kidding me? That's scary. It's open flesh. It's love and guts. It's, and it takes everything to grow. I uh, was reading an article by Matt Brown 
in the EU magazine. EU movement. Started by our own Alex Zapala. God's done a work in him and it's just incredible to see what's, what's happening to him and, and the young adults in his life. And he's put together this, mag this movement, basically, but there's a magazine now. And uh, Matt Brown wrote a, an article in here saying, my time will come. He talks about Abraham Lincoln. He's a shining example of persistence. Many know that he was president of the United States, shut down the practice of slavery. But few know his path to the presidency was littered with failure. In 1831, Lincoln failed in business. 1832, he was defeated for a state legislature. 1833, he tried a new business and failed. 1835, his fiance died. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. The 30s weren't real pleasant for Abe. 1843, he ran for Congress and was defeated. 1848, he ran again and was defeated again. 1855, he ran for the Senate and he lost. 1856, he ran for vice president and lost. 1859, he ran again for the Senate and lost again. 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. <laughs> wow, there you go. And we think of him as president, and that's all we think about. Wow, he was president. Wow, cool. And you don't see the road. And here's what Matt says. In the midst of these failures, Lincoln was known to have stated, I will get ready. My time will come. I will get ready. My time will come. My heart has been stirred by the statement that victory happens when 10,000 hours of training meet one moment of opportunity. And sometimes we have this tunnel vision look at life. Because all we can see is this slice of time. If we take a step back and get a God's eye view. Oh, yes, this is not good, but I'm going to work this together for good. Yeah, that's looking great. Huh? Are you seeing the same thing I'm saying? Yeah, because I see the, the outcome. I see where this is headed. I'm still in charge. I'm still God. I'm still in control. Mm. We, uh, in this whole process with Christy, seems as we're taking one step forward, two steps back at times. And the question, you know, just keeps rising, will we ever get there? Is, is there ever going to be an end to this? Is there ever going to be victory on the other side? This week we were two times in the ER. Um, 
not the ER in Christiana, not the ER in Chester County, not the ER in Jennersville. We were the, the ER at the University of Pennsylvania, downtown Philadelphia. It's over an hour drive, but that's where our doctors are. So when, when they called and said, you just, you need to bring her to the ER. I'm like, you mean down there? They're like, yeah. And so spending nights in the ER, which I'll just, well, no, I won't say anything about that. Um, it's a different world there. Matthew 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. And John the Baptist, who was in prison, John the Baptist, who had said, Behold, the Lamb of God, here's the, the Son of the living God, this is why I came. And, and now he finds himself in prison, and he's been there for a while. He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Because John's in prison. And this isn't making sense to him, right? It just, Messiah's here so prison bars are going to be open, right? Captives are going to be set free, right? I mean, really, I'm still in prison and, and later to be beheaded... So John says, look, ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back and tell John, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. What did Jesus just do? He just captured John's attention because John once knew who Jesus was. He had said to the crowds, Behold the Lamb of God. Are you the one? Is a redundant question that he's starting to ask and question again. Why? Because he's been feeding himself on what God hasn't done or isn't doing. Jesus brought his attention back. Tell John what you see and hear. God blesses those who are not offended by him. If it's not going well in your life, if the struggle is so real that you can't seem to make it through, and you begin to question, God, are you really who you say you are? Jesus said, yeah, get your eyes off of you for a moment and start looking around and see what I'm doing throughout the world. I want you to see what I am doing. Get your focus right. And then you'll be blessed if you're not offended by me. I've had to come out of a place of offense at times. And that's the place of blessing. Jesus brought his attention back. Tell John what you see and hear. God blesses those who are not offended by him. If you feed on what God hasn't done or isn't doing on your behalf, then you've created opportunity for offense. Jesus told John's disciples, remember, 
Remind him what is happening. Tell him what you see because John wasn't going to be released from prison. We've begin, begun to focus on what God is doing during this period of our lives. Miracles are happening. God is opening doors. God is, is reaching inside of people's hearts. And, and uh, even last night in the ER, uh, several weeks before the surgery, um, we had two services, 9 a.m. and 11. 9 a.m. service. Christy's sitting here on the, on the end. And during prayer time, Richie Reinhardt was sitting right behind her. He came up and began to pray for her. And he said as he was praying that it, it felt like her arm was a 1,000 pounds heavy, and he was trying to lift it. And in the middle of that, God said to him, tell her it's just a pimple. It's going to pop and go away. So he did. And she looked at him like, Richie, seriously? He said, hey, God says it's just a pimple. It's going to pop and go away. She kind of brushed it off, and, and uh, we went into second service. And during prayer time in the second service, Diane Smack walked up to Christy and was praying for her. When she was done praying, she looked at Christy and she said, this is kind of weird. She said, but I, I just, I saw this picture, and I feel like God is saying, it's just a pimple, and it's going to pop and go away. And she said, what did you say? She said, I know, it's weird, right? She said, no, no, it's not weird, because somebody already told me that. So that planted deep inside of us, and and we just started praying from then on, okay, God, pop the pimple, right? Get that out of her tongue, let it pop, let it go, and then we'll be done. No surgery, nothing, right? That's where we, we understood. That was our understanding. But you can't get offended at God because that, that places you in a very negative place. God, why aren't you doing this for me? Why, why hasn't the situation changed? Why hasn't he turned around? Why hasn't she changed? Why hasn't this, this miracle taken place yet? Why haven't I been healed? Why, why, why? And I've come to notice that God doesn't always answer our why questions. Jesus even asked why on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? And so we expected the pimple to pop before surgery. This week, if you've been on the email list, and if you're not on the email list, I, I encourage you to get a part of it so you can understand what's going on in the church. We went to the ER a couple of times. Feeding tube had to go back in her nose. It's a little different getting the feeding tube when you're in surgery and you don't know what's going on. But when you're not in surgery and they have to shove it down into your stomach, it, it's not a pleasant thing. And and uh, plus all the nausea and stuff. And so then yesterday when she was so sick and, and then all of a sudden the, the incision area where they'd taken the lymph nodes, it, it just started bulging. 
it was looking nasty. I, I sent a picture to Dr. Joe. I said, what do you think? And he, he said, she needs to go to the ER. Really? So we went. If you've ever been to the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, um, there's no parking there, right? So I dropped her off at the ER door. I went and parked. By the time I got in, she was already in the room, which the other night we sat in there for three and a half hours and nobody saw us. It was, it was one of those times. And, and last night, she was in the room within five minutes. When I got back there, she's, I, I walked in. There's blood everywhere, right? Blood. It, aren't you just glad you came to church today? For the, I'm sorry. It, it, it's so normal for me right now. I just, I, I apologize. So, yeah. And I said, what happened? She said, as soon as I sat down, it popped. Okay. Because they were going to have to lance it. They were going to have to go in and do, do the whole, whole deal. And... Um, so, but here, here's the very cool part. One of the doctors that did the reconstruction of her tongue and her arm, he was there last night, came into the ER with one of the other doctors, but he said, hey, I'm going to be out of town for the next couple of weeks, and I was around, and so I, I wanted to come see you myself. And when he walked in and looked at it, he said, oh, it just popped like a pimple. Now, that didn't mean anything to anybody else, but both of us looked at each other and we went, that's it. It popped like a pimple and it's gone. And it's gone. Hallelujah. Come on. It wasn't how we thought it was going to happen, but it's how God planned it, and it's what we needed at that moment. Sit down for a second. I'm not done. If you got to go, get on out of here, because I've I, I got some more stuff i got to say. And there were moments these last three weeks when I kept saying to God, what about the pimple? Come on. You had two different people say that. What about the pimple? And I got nothing, nothing. No answer, no nothing, no, it's okay, it's going to be okay, son. Nothing, silence. Last night, <laughs> that word that was spoken came back to life in us. Say, okay, God, it was for that moment. I get it now. Didn't understand it back then, but I get it now. And I will refuse to be offended at you because you're a good God. You're a good God. 
You see, when I feed myself on what God has done and I feed myself on what God is doing, I stay encouraged, I stay strong, I stay focused on what my life is all about. I don't give up, I don't give in. Road construction. I don't like it. It seems to take forever. It, it seems to take forever, and you're thinking, will it ever happen? Will we ever have any benefit from any of this? And then all of a sudden, all the prep work is done, and things begin to take place. And suddenly, suddenly, and God has promised us many suddenlies in these last days. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and, and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves. Smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. You do your part. Get yourself ready for what God wants to do. Get yourself in position and let God come in swiftly, suddenly, in a moment. He'll change everything. For His mouth has spoken. If you're on the email list, you, you got the new song of the month. I'm healed. River Valley Worship. He goes, I'm healed, I know I am. For my God says I am. Come what may, my faith will stand. I'm healed, I know I am. And there's a little tag in there. Sickness, you have no power here. Darkness, you have no power here. Chaos, you have no power here. In Jesus' name. And a few weeks ago, before one of our, on our way to, to uh, one of our doctor's appointments downtown, Allie said, have you heard the song, I'm Healed? I said, no. She said, I'm going to send it to you. Listen to it on your way. And man, it's powerful. And we were declaring, I'm healed. I know I am. I'm healed. My, I, my God says I am. Because God, see, God says we're healed. I may see it now, or I may see it when I get to be with Him, but I'm healed. And so I stand in that. If He chooses to heal me now, hallelujah. I give Him praise and glory. If He doesn't, hallelujah. I give Him praise and glory. Because I am healed. Because that's reality. What's coming is reality. Heaven is reality. Heaven is forever. Heaven's not just a, a slice of time. Heaven is eternal. Sometimes I get my focus off of that and I get this. And yet the line in the song that just kept haunting me day after day after day because it just plays in my head all the time. 
I am healed. I know I am. I'm healed. My God says I am. Come what may, my faith will stand. I'm healed. I know I am. But come what may, my faith will stand. Enemy, you're not mar you're not knocking us off our, our rock. Our life is built on solid rock, Christ Jesus. We're going to stand firm. No matter what our circumstances look like, we're going to stand firm knowing that God is still in control. And what His Word says is true, no matter what my circumstances look like. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and begin to praise Him this morning. Awesome, Almighty God. Lord, you're worthy. Yes, you are. No one like you. No, 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 no. Hallelujah. this morning and you haven't actually acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Give the person next to you the privacy of this moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to know Jesus. I need to know him like you know him, Pastor. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you in a solid place. In a place that will absolutely blow your mind a rock-solid place that no matter what comes your way, nothing can shake you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to I give you the opportunity to know him. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up high. We're going to pray together. God's going to set you free from sin. He's going to give you a brand-new start in life. All over this room, anybody? Lift it up right now. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. Yes. 
I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to be set free from my sin. I want a brand new start in life. Someone else. Come on, God's speaking to your heart. Yeah. Someone else. He's ripping at the, the heartstrings of your life. He's got, a, he's got a great plan for you. He wants to give you life, life abundant, in the midst of whatever's come your way. Anyone else? Okay, if you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you myself today. I thank you that you are God Almighty. I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I receive of your gift of salvation and freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. I'll serve you all the days of my life. I love you, Jesus. Let's walk in this brand new relationship together. Thank you, Lord. Come on now. Let's lift our hands, church. Let's begin to praise him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for two lives that have stepped into the kingdom today. Thank you, Lord, for new life, new life, new life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, yeah. He's an awesome God. Listen. If you raise your hands, you gave your life to Jesus today. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you did. You said yes to Jesus. Uh, you need to get a Bible. We have some at the, at the door. Our ushers will have them for you. Just say, hey, I need one of those Bibles. Tell somebody what God's done in your life and get involved in a church. You need to be a part of a family of, of believers. You need to be surrounded by the family of God.